This is The Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that The Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service. You're in complete control of your own podcast. You can run it from your own website. And it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. I have with me today an author who's enjoying a rather extraordinary year. Uh, Along with releasing a new novel in April, two of his previous novels have been adapted for film and been released this year. It's a pleasure to have with me today author and screenwriter Michael Ferris Smith. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Debbie, I'm doing fine. Thank you for that introduction. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. Believe me. And let's talk screenplays. Oh, boy. <laughs> and movies. <laughs> I see that uh, you were credited as a producer as well as a screenwriter uh, on IMDb Pro. <laughs> So congratulations for that. And congratulations for what you've done. It is simply amazing. This is not typical of most authors, (laughs) I have to say. Yeah, you know, I keep hearing that over and over. And uh, I I believe it because I I know now how much it takes just to get one across the finish line. But to be able to get two, uh, I feel pretty fortunate, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I saw a recent interview where the uh, writer had described you as celebrating in a low-key way. And I thought, mm. well, when you go through, think of the sheer amount of work that goes into making a movie, creating the package, finding the money, making the deal, all of those things, I had to wonder, how else would you celebrate except to say, that's done? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know there's a whole lot of energy left to have a big celebration and spin it all up. Yeah, you know, I, I know I don't know how most people are. I, I get the impression that a lot of creative people are the same way that when they get to the end of a project or kind of when they get to the finish line, it's more a sense of relief than mm. anything. Like certainly there's excitement and there's reward, but just the whether it's a novel or a script or or anything really, the sense of release of the accomplishment of it to me is always the overriding emotion, you know, versus wanting to go out and have a party. It's just like, I want to <laughs> sit down and kick my feet up and, you know, have a beverage and uh, just really kind of <laughs> revel in that it's over and that it's, that it's done. And, and hopefully in the way that you wanted it to be 
done too. Hopefully it's a product, you know, you're happy with. Yes. Amen to that. I hear you. Um, let's see. So um, I thought it was interesting that uh, they approached you about writing the screenplay, which is not typical for most authors. Most most of the time they'll hire somebody who's in the business to write the screenplay. They approached yeah. you. You said, yeah, sure. And then you had to learn about screenwriting. <laughs> was that a learning experience? <laughs> Very much a learning experience. And uh, you know, the way you describe it is exactly what happened when I was asked to be attached. If I wanted to be attached uh, to write the screenplays, I said, yes, absolutely. And then the next question was, well, do you know how to do that? And I said, yeah, sure. Of course I do. And uh, I hung up the phone and immediately like, that was kind of a group call and I hung up from that group call and immediately picked up the phone and called my manager. And I said, look, man, I need you to tell me two books about screenplay right now that I can order and start trying to figure out how to do this. He just laughed because he goes, I knew you, you didn't know how to do it. He goes, but that was the absolute correct answer. He goes, because I think you can do it. I believe you can do it or we wouldn't have tried to. And he goes, uh, you don't need to let anybody know what you can or can't do in this business. Just uh, raise your hand and, and keep going so uh, you know i mean that i didn't know so how to cool. write a novel either i had no idea how to write a novel i ended up learning how to do that so i figured i could learn how to write a screenplay that's right that's exactly right um what books did they recommend just out of curiosity one was it's called save the cat i think it's mm -hmm. a pretty book. oh yeah and then the other one is really more really more technical I feel like it's it's called the Hollywood. Uh, it's like just a guidebook. It's sitting in here somewhere, but it really mm -hmm. gets the nuts and bolts of uh, doing things technically right, and how to do flashbacks, and how to do superimpose. I mean, it really gets into that, which I really needed, you know, because the the screenwriting programs now that you can just giddy up and go and move along. You don't have to think about. The indentions and all this and margins, they don't kind of all does it for you. But uh, so you're really free to kind of get into going and exploring, but um, to do it correctly, too. I wanted to look like a pro, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as far as Save the Cat. And I think I did look at one or two other kind of uh, guidebooks about how to write screenplays. I did get into them, but I was also careful not to dig too far into them because, I was afraid it might mess me up a little bit and it might, um, you know, slow the creative process or just getting away somehow of me thinking too much. So I did read, kind of read those books about what a screenplay is, what words, how it's supposed to do this and that and the other. And then I kind of let it go and just tried to be a storyteller telling it in the, in a different medium. And I do think that served me well um, to not try to think too hard about it. Absolutely. I agree 100%. That's one of the things that I think hangs people up when it comes to the screenplay. They get too focused on, I've got to get something here by page 10. I've got to get something here by page 20, instead of thinking about the story, right. and how it can unfold. Yeah. And you will find that it naturally unfolds at certain points, in That's my right. opinion. Yeah. That was one thing that kind of frightened me a little bit about it was I would open up these books and you're right. It would tell you, okay, these <laughs> 10 that happen on page 25, this needs to happen on page 50. And I, I, <laughs> this is horrible advice. 
I mean, I know there's a formula to it. I mean, anybody can watch a movie and kind of feel those moments in that time. But um, it, it, I really wanted to back away from it because I think you have to trust yourself as a storyteller, whatever the medium is. And as a storyteller, you know when it's, I think you have an innate sense of when it's time to shift gears or when it's time to uh, make something new happen or when it's time to go down a different road or when it's time to cause more trouble. Um, so I kind of tried to re- rely on that a little bit too. I love that when it's time to make more trouble. <laughs> it's like the old saying, uh, put your protagonist in a tree and throw rocks at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, what did you do to prepare for writing the screenplay to adapt your work? How did you go through the process of adaptation? What was that like and what did you do specifically? That's a good question. The one thing I did have to learn to do in screenwriting, which I don't do as a novelist, is outline. Mm. Um, Now, one of the early things I learned about writing scripts is you write a 40 scene outline first that everybody kind of agrees upon. And then you sit down and you start writing the screenplay. And for me at the beginning, I was like, "Ah, I can't, I don't want to do that because I, when I'm writing fiction, I never look too far ahead. It's kind of work in the morning, make a note to walk in the next day. But this this really served me as learning learning how to do a script because, you know, you're taking a 300-page novel and you're putting it into 100 pages. So what are the things that have to be in there to tell the story? And you also find out, too, this might work in the novel, but they can't be this way in a film, you know? So that, that was the very first step was taking I mean taking out a notepad is how I did it the first time and just starting to go through the novel and come up with that 40 scene um, outline where I could see it as a whole and then I could talk to the directors as it a whole and then you know and then you get begin to get the feedback from from others about well we can't do it this way we can't do it this way because of this that and the other and so you figure out how to how to get the story on the page through the outline first. And for me, that was a, a great benefit. Um, and, you know, I see, I definitely see the advantages of doing that in a screenplay because, because that's the starting point. When I actually sat down to do it, we were talking earlier about taking the anxiety off things as much as you can and trying not to think too much. You know, I would get on page four, five, 12, 15 of, of the script. And I would be sitting there and just like naturally thinking, okay, now what's next? Because that's how I do a novel. And then it would hit me like, oh, you know what's next. Just look over here, <laughs> look over here on your outline. And I would look and I'd go, okay, so there's the next two or three scenes. And that really, I think, helped ease me through the process of the actual uh, script writing was that 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 outline, that breaking down of the story. Yeah, beating out the story, as they say. You have these story beats. That yeah. you rely on yeah it's 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 great for that yeah um you can write faster that way too <laughs> absolutely it really adds to the economy of it too when you sit down to do it i mean it can really kind of thumpity thump by when you have <laughs> yeah yeah for sure uh can you give us the log line for each of your movies oh uh <laughs> off the top of my head <laughs> <laughs> oh dear i asked about a log line shame on uh, me <laughs> desperation road is uh whiskey guns and 
Whiskey guns and the desire for revenge violently intersect at the crossroads of salvation and regret in a rough and tumble Mississippi town. Ooh. Yeah, that's Desperation Road. And then the Rumble Through the Dark, which is based on the fighter, is a bare knuckled cage fighter seeks to repay his debts to save the home, save the home of his dying foster mother in the Mississippi, dark Mississippi Delta landscape. They sound very interesting. That's very pretty, dark. Yeah, they are dark. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think that's just kind of the kind of the places I've lived as a writer and the movies didn't shy away from that either, which I'm very happy about. That's good. Excellent. So you feel that the uh, the product, the, the movie, is a good representation of your story in the book then? Yeah, I'm actually very happy with both of them. I think they're very faithful adaptations, you know, about as well as you can do, I think, in, in breaking down something like that and putting it into a, a smaller place. Um, and I think from... Uh, the response from people who have who have seen the movies and and are familiar with the books too, um, very faithful. Fantastic. Yeah, things have to change, of course, but I think in general, I'm really happy that uh, when you watch Desperation Road or, or Rumble Through the Dark, you recognize the no novels in them. Like if you've read the novel, you know, you know this is that story. That's great. One of the toughest things for me when I started writing screenplays was thinking more visually. Yeah. I, that's something I struggled with at first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then suddenly you get it. It's kind of like, bang. It's right. Like, it, it's almost second nature. It becomes almost a part like muscle memory. You just know that you have to do this thing visually. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, um, that was one of the challenges for me out of the gate where I could spend you know, half a page writing this lovely landscape in a novel. I have like two sentences to do it in a script. And that, that I had to break the habit because I love, I love setting in place. And uh, it's one of my favorite things to, to create in a novel. And you just don't have time. And you, and the other part is you have to learn to trust the directors too. Uh, you, they trust you to give them the image and then you have to trust them to take that image and, um, portrayed in, in, in a very special way. That's the thing. It's a very collaborative process, the whole thing. And uh, you were also credited as a producer. What was your role as producer? Uh, well, in Desperation Road, um, well, I guess actually in both of them, it was much the same. I helped locations um, because, you know, I, I know, know the places very well. Um, know what they look like, know what they feel like. Um, so, I, you know, I was part of finding the, the right places to shoot these things. I was also part of, uh, you know, talking about actors and who we wanted to try to get and for whatever reasons. And and then I was uh, on set and part of that process, too, of, you know, just being there to support uh, the director and whatever was going on. And then also like collaborating and talking with the actors a lot too. You know, they're very curious people. I love being around the actors and I love when they want to talk about a scene or they want to even ask about a very simple line of dialogue because they hear it one way or see it one way in the script. And maybe they think, well, what if we wanted to do it this way? What if I change this word to that? And I'm always like, so open to that because it's so interesting. So it's kind of a, a culmination of, 
of things. I would say a lot of the processes I was, a lot of the creative processes I was very fortunate to be on the side of as a, as a producer, um, which kind of, I guess, blended in my role as the writer too. That's fantastic. I know I love talking to actors because they'll look at a line or several lines of dialogue and say, you know, you can cut this part out and this part out and I could just, you know, nod or <laughs> whatever. And it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you know, now I get it. Okay, more is not necessarily better here. He knows as a screenwriter, I've only heard those characters' voices in my head. You exactly. I've never heard anybody else say those lines until the actors show up, and then you hear it, and it's really interesting to me to hear when you do a scene and you're like, oh, that sounds different than it does to me because they're interpreting it that own way, their own way, and I really do love Love that process. And the actors, too, know when there should be silence. I think they have a great sense of when the nonverbal will do in place of, you know, if, what if I didn't say these four words and I just turned or looked or thought or whatever. And I, I really like I've really enjoyed watching that part of it. Mm hmm. Yes. Has writing screenplays had an effect on the way you write novels? You know, that's a good question, and it really came up. When Salvage This World came out in April, um, that was the first novel I had written um, in its entirety with the kind of the screen stuff going on at the same time. I, I wrote the first half of Salvage This World, and then we went and filmed rumble through the dark that was the fall of 21 and then when i came back from that i wrote the second half of salvage this world and then went and did desperation road later so i was full in the thick of doing very serious script stuff uh and truly when the book came out those were some of the first questions too about it and i don't i think it'd be naive to say it hasn't affected it uh, i just don't see how how it could um, in what ways, I'm not sure. I know that some of the people said they who said it, they felt like it had some of an impact concerning salvage, um, really noticed kind of the economy and really the stripped down dialogue and language, which I think I've been pretty economical stripped down writer in my career up to this point. But to, and, but to be even like have people recognize that maybe this is even leaner than you were before, I think that's certainly uh, an impact of of doing the script work. Um, it's nothing I really consciously think about uh, while I've got it going on. But like I said, it would be naive to think one thing is not having some impact on, on the other, you know, uh, it's very hard. I mean, your creative body is your creative body and things kind of bleed together. And it's certainly they do hopefully in a good way. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of really good things to be learned from script writing and economy is one of them, you know, and it's quite frankly, we could all probably use a lot more of that. A lot more of that. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, what is your latest novel, Salvage This World, about? Oh man, what is it about? I think at the heart of it, it's about, and I did not really expect this when I started writing it. Um, it's about a father and a daughter which scared the hell out of me because I have two daughters and I had never, never written about a father daughter relationship before, you know, the setting of it is um, 
my my very first novel, Rivers, is about a, a kind of a dystopian South Mississippi landscape where one hurricane after another has decimated the region. And I always kind of thought I might return to that landscape a little bit. And when I had the idea for Salvage This World, which was basically a, a, a young woman standing with a kid on her hip, staring at an approaching storm, and you get the sense she's in a lot of trouble. I realized this is not kind of a sequel to Rivers, but what if this was like six or eight years before the storms got really bad and the region's already beginning to empty out and she's alone and like there's a real sense of, uh, uh, I mean, maybe even anarchy kind of in the air, uh, but this real unsettling thing. And, you know, 15, 20 pages into that novel, she picks up the phone and calls, just picks up a pay phone and starts dialing. I wasn't real sure who she was calling. She had nowhere else to turn. And when the phone picked up, I remember just, you hear the click and uh, she says, uh, the word that came out of her mouth was daddy. And mm-hmm. I, I stopped right then. I'm like, oh, so this is what this is going to be about. And um, frightened me, but I've learned that those things that kind of scare you about a novel or about a story, those things you should probably latch on to. So it really became about a father and a daughter and, the fractured relationship in life they've had and all then, but then the necessity of uh, trying to save each other, I think through a very difficult time, you know, I, I think that's probably what that novel means most to me. I like the way you describe that and the feeling of writing about things that scare you. I think that's very true. Um, what others have most inspired your work? Things that have most inspired my work? Yes. Um, well, I could sit here and name a bunch of writers and a bunch of things like that, but I would say the thing that inspires my work most is um, my intense desire to kind of relate to the world and maybe grapple with the world creatively. And then the other thing would be the intense fear of failure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I've worked the way I have because I've, I'm trying to prove things to both myself and other people. Um, and then I'm trying to belong. And uh, I feel like um, that can be a very powerful thing creatively because it's forced me to sit down and work and try and, and risk failure. And it's made me take chances that I probably wouldn't have otherwise taken. And, and I'm very happy that, uh, um, I've had some success doing that. And I think I'm also happy that, uh, taking those chances and being kind of so, uh, fearful of, of one, not making it. And then two, not being able to stay, um, has pushed me to probably, um, reach for things thematically, emotionally that I may not have, um, Mm-hmm. And I, I want, I want to always keep doing that. I feel like if I'm not really pushing myself emotionally, if I'm not kind of halfway scared of what I'm doing, if I'm not, um, if I'm willing to shake off um, convention and just do it the way I want to do it, then that's the right thing. If I ever feel like I'm bowing to anything, then I'm probably need to just quit. Wow, I love what you just said. That's fantastic. Um. What advice would you give to anyone who would like to write for a living? I would probably repeat everything you know? <laughs> that you just said. 
And I think you have to do it for yourself first. And that means taking responsibility for doing the things you have to do to get better, which is read a lot and write a lot and buy the books that are going to help you and not being afraid to fail and telling the story that you want to tell and understanding that I may not be good at this right now, but I might be a lot, I'm going to be better at it if I stay with it. And even if I am really good at it right now, I can still get better. You know, I think that's one of the things in my career that I've noticed is that I can still get better. And I notice it from one thing to the next. And uh, I think if you kind of put it on your own shoulders and decide, well, I'm going to carry the weight and whatever's going to happen is out of my control anyway, then you'll be the best you can be. And that's really the only thing you can offer the world is the best, uh, you know, version of your work, you know, and nobody can keep you from doing that. Amen to all of that. That that is just so true, all of it. It's fantastic. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Um, no, not really. Other than you know, I hope uh, I hope we'll talk again sometime, and hope everybody that's listening who's working on something will see it through and do it uh, with confidence. And you know, uh, we're all working toward the same thing, which is. To get to the end of a project and be happy with it. At least that's why. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's yeah. fantastic. I just want to thank you so much for being here and talking with us today. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure, believe me. And I love to talk about movies and screenwriting as well as books. So this is just fantastic. Um I just also want to say, uh, I want to thank everybody who supports my work on Patreon, either one of them. I have two. And if you would hit the like button on YouTube or leave a review for this podcast, that would be great. Until next time, take care and happy reading and watching. Mm -hmm.